ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਅਮਰਜੀਤ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੈਨ ਹੇਅਰ ਮੀ ਗਾਲ ਯਸ ਆ ਕੈਨ ਹੇਅਰ ਯੂ ਯਪ ਆ ਕੈਨ ਹੇਅਰ ਯੂ ਲਾਊਡ ਐਂਡ ਕਲੀਅਰ ਕੈਨ ਯੂ ਹੇਅਰ ਮੀ ਲਾਊਡ ਐਂਡ ਕਲੀਅਰ ਯੈਸ ਯੈਸ ਆ ਯੈਸ ਸੋ ਟੁਡੇ ਵਿਦ ਅਸ ਵੀ ਹੈਵ ਸਰਦਾਰ ਇੰਦਰਜੀਤ ਸਿੰਘ ਆਥਰ ਆਫ ਅਫਗਾਨ ਹਿੰਦੂਜ਼ ਐਂਡ ਸਿੱਖਸ ਕੈਨ ਯੂ ਟੈਲ ਅਸ ਅ ਬਿਟ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਯੂਰ ਸੈਲਫ ਆ ਗੈਸ Yes, I was uh, born and brought up in Amritsar. I did all my education, schooling, yeah. college, university education in Amritsar. And then uh, in 2004, I migrated to England and did yes. my uh, master's again, uh, which was a quick way to get through the immigration process and I would say permanent <laughs> residency at that point. So... and since 2000 where i've been living in uh, england uh, working in a working in a management position throughout uh, all these years and i, t- I would say about 2004 uh, 14 or 15 i became interested in writing history such yes. articles and then i've written a book on afghan hindus and sikhs yeah okay so predominantly speaking you're quite famous for your uh, i guess activism based around uh, afghan sikhs and uh, minorities in afghanistan as we know today uh, afghanistan is quite a conflictual place currently with so many nations trying to resolve its issues so many minorities down there are uh, stuck in a bit of a quagmire it's their homeland but it isn't exactly the safest place for them and there has been an effort in the past few years to sort of get them out from there and get them into the west really yes i mean uh, unfortunately afghanistan has been in and out of civil wars since 1979 mm-hmm. yeah so it, it, yeah so it, it is difficult and everybody is suffering but minority tends to suffer more because the bitterness has made people more fundamentalist and also mm-hmm. yeah i mean but, but the fact is that when six were killed on 1st july 2018 when the number of sick leaders were in a bomb blast people mm-hmm. came out to protest mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. came out women came out so they come out to protest and this is a country where killings bomb blast happen every week so you have to take that mm-hmm. into context here yeah. Yeah, people are sensitized to it. And I guess it's also a country which has a rich uh, history where minorities are concerned, which we never uh, learn about today. Do we all we see is uh, Islamic fundamentalism or, you know, American troops on the ground down there? Really, it's defined by 9-11 more than anything else. Yes. But, but if you see uh, the last... 20 years a number of books a number of books have come up on afghanistan most of them are on the current affairs the current situation but on history a lot of work has been done on history as well which previously probably wouldn't have been done so there's a lot of interest on people the problem was that the afghan hindus had already left they left these people left in 1992 with joe i'm saying 90% of them left in 1992 so okay. you had few sikhs and most of the educated one had already left so you had few of them and so you had roger ballad 
who wrote a little bit about Afghan Sikhs, then you had few, a couple of journals, articles on them, but they didn't scratch the surface in the sense that, what's your background, what have you, where have you been, and then mm. corresponding that information on, with the the data or with the historical travel accounts we have written by mm-hmm. the world in the world 18th, 19th, 20th century. Yeah. Yes. So I guess the foremost reason for today is that another aspect of um, your writings is 1857, the Indian mutiny, the way it's been put like that, the Indian mutiny or the war for independence. Now, that is quite a discordant part of history. I mean, personal experience, I first was introduced to it through a Bollywood movie called Mangal Pandey, The Rising. But at that time, if I remember correctly, there was quite a lot of uh, uproar in academic circles because that movie sort of solidified a myth around 1857 that it was some grand war for independence. Uh, It wasn't exactly discordant and that they were uh, fighting to liberate India, the sepoys. But the ground reality, as we know now, is much more complex that the sepoys wanted to, uh, mainly the poor Bia sepoys wanted to reinstall the Mughal emperor as the overlord of India. Then we had the Sikhs who did not spot them, the Marathas who did not spot them. We had a quite a significant number of races, clans, religious groups who did not spot it altogether. But the criticism is reserved for Sikhs in great amounts, isn't it, that the Sikhs betrayed the mutiny? Yeah, unfortunately, the majority can make a narrative and the history in subcontinent in most of the places is dictated by the vote bank politics as well so you hmm. if we go back this started in nine this started before independence so i can understand before independence you needed role models to fight against a foreign rule so anybody who fought against the foreign rule, we didn't check, was it due to patriotism or was it due to saving their own skin or their own mm. uh, small kingdom, which is fine. Mm. But after independence, 73 years, 74 years have pa- passed, we should look into the reasons. Like the the hero of this revolt is Nana Sahib. He tried his yes. level best to get mm. his pension reinstated because he was adopted son of Peshwa. He wrote mm. letters pleading his case so that his pension, his lifestyle, he lavish lifestyle which he had unused to, that should be restored. He even sent his uh, ambassador, or dip, uh, and in those days they used to call it vakil to yes. the Empress uh, of UK or British India in Victoria and that guy fell in love with a, a white woman. Hmm. So it, 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 it's interesting. So And then when he was left with no choice, yes, he fought. And when you and it's and people say, well, he fought bravely. Well, you would not go to a battle with thinking that I'm going to lose. You will give your best. It's do and die. It's obviously. And, yes. And same goes for most of them. So for me, the real patriots 
were the youngsters in the 20s who were hanged by the British. And they didn't, in the 20th century, when nationalism came, mm. so you had Bhagat Singh Sarabha, Udham Singh, like from the Sikh community, Khudiram Bose from Bengal, and number of others who were sent to Kalapani uh, to Andaman Nikobar, who did had an agenda. Yes, they didn't have a personal agenda that I'm going to get my kingdom back, which is back. For me, they are patriots. But yes, you are right. Sikhs are blamed because they are a minority, small, very minority. They are not a voter bank out, out of Punjab. So it's easy to blame them and say, rather than studying, and was there any nationalism at that time? Was there any nationalistic feeling? Was India considered mm. as a nation by its own people? I'm talking about other mm. perception. Some work has been done, to be fair, but the journal, uh, I would say, theme going on in the public domain is uh, very much like, oh, if six had supported us in 1857, uh, mm. British could have been thrown, British East India Company could have been thrown there and then only. Yeah. I guess the irony here is that in the, you know, contextual discourse which is going on in public spaces, as you mentioned, the Mughals are heavily vilified for, you know, their uh, policy of declaring uh, non-conformism to their religion as treason against the state. So basically, if you did not follow their uh, variation of Islam, you were not considered as being a citizen of the state, and then you were, you know, pretty much open game for state forces to sort of uh, declare you an infidel and persecute you for that. Isn't it, however, a bit ironic, I guess, that on one hand, that's a common discourse, and at the same time, individuals who attempted to reinstall that sort of rule, reinstall the rulers behind that scheme, they are being glorified as being some sort of liberators when, you know, if they had succeeded, everything would have gone the way it had in the past with, you know, Muslim versus non-Muslim, uh, Islamist empires versus non-Islamist empires. It would have been pretty much the spectacular mess it was back in the day. So hasn't anyone actually pointed out that uh, double standard around that? Yes, they have. In, but it's in academic circles. In 1957, uh, India decided to commemorate the 100 years of uh, this revolt. And two yes. very extensively recently researched volumes came out. One from the so-called right-wing mm -hmm. uh, Chandra Majumdar, the revolt of 1857. And yes. another one was S.N. Sen. Sen works, again, both Bengalis. Sen was basically a work, we can call him the Marxist-Leftist historian. And his uh, work was basically funded by the government of India. Remarkably, yes. They're both historians. I've, I've read both of those books. It's, it's easily available because uh, it's uh, uh, out of copyright, so it's available on archive and other places. But people don't have patience to read it. Uh, and Majumdar found us that, well, these people who would be us, they handed over 
before the second second fire they defeated marathas prior to that they defeated gorkhas so hmm. these people defeated and handed over most of the uh, british india to the east india company and after handing it over to every everything to them they decided to revolt and he asks he asks hmm. this question wasn't 1849 the best time to join the forces why didn't purbi has joined the forces when uh, as you know Sher Singh Atari Wala and, yeah. and others, and the one Mulraj uh, and others, the second so-called second Anglo-Sikh war. And he asked that question. Yes, that's interesting. As you bring up this issue now, what was 1857 in terms of you know what sparked it? Is there any credence attached by historians to the rumor that was spread that uh, there were religious sentiments being violated because uh caskets made out of cow flesh and pig flesh were being utilized by the british was there any ever a substantive research done on how that started or whether it was really ever uh, substantiated impartially that was it true or was it just a rumor which was spread to ignite passions who was behind it what agenda it served amarji uh, the reality is that i the research i've done it seems to say that there is some truth in it but it was later removed but the okay. damage was done but and i will be honest with you but i didn't go into uh, a huge detail because it did created a discontent and i think what happened was hmm. with this this incident added the lawsies lord lawsie who was the viceroy of india his yes. his own uh, way of expanding the uh, the, the empire by not recognizing anybody's uh, adopted child so there was a called mm. pre nos lapse something like that so basically if you if yes. you did had a, a rightful heir your uh, and you had already been a, in a treaty with the british east company as uh, uh, as a subordinate that state would uh, be annexed and that basically so you had dana sahib lakshmi bai and all those people basically uh, aggrieved and then joining hmm. the revolt yeah okay yep. could it be that i guess from a this might sound conspiratorial and obviously this is in what about territory but could it be that there was a failure of communication or i guess as you mentioned delhousey delhousey was quite famous for being someone who trod over religious and cultural sentiments could it be that after all it was a bit of a, a plan to sort of teach the british their own uh, i guess a lesson in their own language by you know asserting or uh, stating the truth that you know religious sentiments had been violated and now it's time to you know get back at the british but another aspect down here is that was this a organized mutiny in any sense was it a revolution or a rebellion or was it discordant elements sort of teaming up against a particular target they had made some plans some plans but mangal pande revolted in meerut well well hmm. i would say a few weeks prior to that but let me tell you the difference between coming back to sain and uh, majumdar works 
both mm. agree on most things. It's the interpretation. Majumdar says that admits Majumdar, eh, sorry, Sain, Sain the the so-called uh, uh, leftist or Marxist. He he says mm. that the revolt became a sense of war for independence in in the central provinces or near basically he's saying the the Uttar Pradesh or UP as it's called that region and the neighboring region was the only region in the whole subcontinent where it became the revolt became had a nationalist touch to it. People were really getting together to get the British out. It's a massive country. So okay. even then, he admits only for it. On the other hand, Majumdar quotes how badly uh, Bahadur Shah Zafar, the Mughal, the Mughal ruler who was just basically ruler of Delhi, city only, uh, by the rebels. Mm. And uh, they were basically, he was forced to join. He was very old. He was 82, 83. He was very old. But mm. he, and uh, and then he goes into why the Nawab of Abad had and his descendants and the others had reason to revolt. And he and basically he is saying, which is right, that nationalist feeling started when the modern education came up in India and among the Bengalis in the early 20th century. So, early 20th century. He's saying when they we started thinking us as a nation and probably we can also gain independence. Look, reading other, uh, I would say, world history where small countries or weaker countries in the past had won from bigger countries. So, so even in if you read European history, Bismarck in German history is supposed to be the mm-hmm. that in world history is the beginning of what we call is a nationhood or nation uh, nationalism in a country. It wasn't there in India at that time. It wasn't there. I mean, the mm-hmm. the Purbias mistreated Sikhs a lot because they, yes, for the period yes. of eighteen forty. Uh, 9 to 1857, though 8 years, people didn't forget, for, for, uh, forgive and forget uh, that easily. And then uh, there was a journal article on the treatment, how they would mistreat uh, and uh, abuse and ridicule. And basically, but even then, even then, Sikhs at some places they dribbled and uh, yeah so Sikhs actually joined yes. them and interestingly they okay the people the Sikh Sardars who were in the Khalsa Sarkar the the, the empire of the Maharajanji Singh who were now basically yep. I would say lost their stature status, money and everything but they still had hmm. the valor they still had some people with them 
So they were asked to join the 1857 rules, so they did join. And they, it was opportunity as well. They, they probably thought that it would be an opportunity to score well. And British use all the tactics. British use the tactic of, oh, they want to get the Mughal Empire back. The same Mughal Empire who martyred your ninth guru. So contemporary writers say mm-hmm. these were published. Sorry, these posters were put on in Delhi. So even then, the British East Indian Company was doing all the propaganda. However, the after beyond Satluj, the, there are instances where mm. troops of uh, Patiala State, the sixth troop of Patiala State, mm. uh, revolted and joined the rebels. So interestingly, in Delhi, both inside and outside, when because the if, if if people know a little bit of history, Delhi was sieged, so it was besieged. So they had surrounded outside. So the the walled city of Delhi was surrounded by the British troops. So both inside and outside there were Sikhs. So in fact, Hindus and Sikh Muslims uh, yes, so were both inside and outside. So it was yeah. So it was a case of Sikh fighting Sikh even at that yeah, time, really. Yeah, S- same goes for Hindus. There was Hindus. I mean, uh, but then, then, although we now seek Sikhs as one, but the fact is that when, if you read Hariram Gupta, his first book on 1935, hmm. and even if you read the 18th century accounts like Charles Foster, they tend to treat the Maja Six, as they used to call it, and the Satluj, beyond Satluj Six, bit differently. It is the fact that over mm. the years, are we tend to see them as one, but Suraj Surjan Lal Pandari, he wrote, wrote a book uh, during Aurangzeb era. For him, the Punjab was the Lahore province, and the Lahore province was still... Uh, between Indus and uh, Satluj. So even Ludhiana was Mm. not part of Punjab for him. So these the boundaries of state and our perception, how we perceive others, change. I mean, uh, just to give a quick example, many in Pakistan strongly believe, especially those who migrated from East Punjab, that six killed them in them in huge numbers and but they're totally silent they don't know anything about or they don't want to know how Sikhs and Hindus had to leave the West Punjab because they have not been taught and those people hmm. shocked when last year or year before that whatever it was uh, I can't remember exactly in Delhi when there was riots Sikhs saved Muslims they were shocked so our perceptions mm-hmm. and the way we interpret history changes every 70, 80 years based on the circumstances, based, sometimes based on what the journal um, our rulers want us to think. I mean, a good example is a Sikh. Mm-hmm. A Sikh in Pakistan after 1947 was not tolerated at all. So all those people either had to cut their hair in Sindh, Balochistan, they cut their hair, 
um, and pretended to be Hindus. But in many cases, they had to convert to Islam. Now, many people uh, from um, Hindus and Christian communities, and they say we were six once coming back and to sit back to Sikhi because the ruling elite probably I'm, I'm digressing but I'm, what I'm saying is it, things are much more complicated than we we would like to black and white it's not black and white yeah. essentially just to recap it isn't exactly a black and white issue is it this mutiny it wasn't a case of so and so betrayed so and so more or less it was varied alternative different interests coming together and sparking a cataclysmic event which even today people are struggling to really understand as to what happened and what didn't but it's also become a bit of a political tool to sort of disparage uh i guess people with for uh, as you mentioned electoral politics yes i mean every year in um in parts of india um, you would have, they will remember Nana Sahib, Lakshmi Bai, other people, and lament that, oh, if we had got together, we could have uh, got British out a hundred years earlier or ninety years earlier. So, with that, as I said earlier, I mean, you, you, you can easily blame Sikhs. Sikhs are not a voter. A bank would bank in anywhere except probably, I would say, Punjab, a bit of Haryana, even in Haryana, they're just 5%. So, hmm. uh, so it's easy. But, but what happens is, and then there are people who will, who will like not to read and research themselves, and they are in huge numbers. They will just follow the narrative created by, in in a way, ruling elite, I would mm-hmm. say. Because, yeah. Now, you mentioned Muslims as well taking part in the mutiny. We know there was a period of Hindu-Muslim unity, even Sikh unity. So, how is this seen in Pakistan? How do they see this event in Pakistan? Oh, in Pakistan, it is, they see it as Muslim revolting against the British. Yes, and uh, then Hindu and Sikhs, Sikhs were betraying from the f- day one for them, yep. uh, and Hindus lately betrayed them. But the fact is, except for one or two chiefs in the whole region now we call Pakistan, the rest was very quiet. They all supported, Punjabis supported, and majority of the Punjabis were Muslims supported the British East India Company in big time. So did the Pathan. Mm. And they both these people still dominate the defense forces in Pakistan. So it is... Mm. So they, they, in Pakistan, over the centuries, they have created a narrative that um, one nation, one language, one culture, and which led to basically... led to the creation of a new state called Bangladesh. They, they realized it quite late that the culture is different from religion and people. The Punjabis have left out their language. They do expect others in Pakistan to do the same, but Sindhis are quite, Sindhis Balochis are quite proud of their own 
culture and language. So even in Punjab, in South Punjab, there's a movement for Saraiki, which was hmm. like called Mulat Multani. So they are learning their lessons and slowly and steadily. So I think the na- the na- as the nation grows, they learn the lesson. But India is the other way around, isn't it? So. <laughs> Yes, it seems a bit. It seems a bit intriguing, given that you know India has a very strong intellectual tradition, but that spirit of inquiry, that spirit of validation, research seems to be lacking when it comes to certain historical events. And I guess in India, we are taught to worship history from the start. We are told to die for our history that it's sacred, but essentially with this attitude, we end up ignoring the more. Uh, conspicuous lessons we should be taking from this history while at the same time rendering ourselves prone to repeating those same mistakes over and over and over again. Now, you were mentioning how the Patiala troops pretty much joined the mutiny. Mm. What's interesting is that Sikhs themselves wouldn't know the names of these uh, troops, what they, what compelled them to join the individuals who mutinied, what eventually happened to them, uh, who they were, what their reasons were, and whether their descendants are still alive, you just don't see this even in Sikhs themselves. No. And I, okay, little bit of context. In 2007, mm. yes. uh, when uh, the country commemorated 150 years of the mutiny, yes. a number of intellectuals, a number of academics from, from uh, Punjab and Haryana wrote in defense yes. of what we are talking about. But yes, but that discussion remained within the academic circles. I think within the academic circles, they recognized that Sikhs had a reason not to join, and some Sikhs hmm. have joined. It is clear, but is the but um, somehow that's why. If I can give a quick example, you will have sure. astronomy amateur astronomers having the telescope looking for heavenly bodies and they have you have group societies and there are a number of uh, um, I would say not planets asteroids number of a number of asteroids discovered by these amateurs and they have been named by the founder but in history there is no discord there is no coming together of amateurs and academics. So, the academic research remains within academic circle. It's only the last five years with the boom of social media, but that has also brought a lot of propaganda. It's a big problem that academics, their research remain within the academic circle. It doesn't come the local... They tend... Academics tend to write in a language which is... Which which only academics can read, basically. So, yes. so that is not the issue, isn't it? So I think uh, people are realizing, but it's early days. It's early days because of social media. Suddenly you have uh, ac- access to so much information. But a lot of propaganda is going on as well. And that's a problem which was not an issue before, the propaganda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So could it be that Academia needs to sort of, uh, I guess, for a better want of expression, <laughs> pull its socks up and start sort of uh, 
getting among the grassroots of things, start actually, you know, talking and speaking with the people it uh, claims to be working for the betterment of. The academics really need to get down among the ground, among the masses, and convey their message that, you know, this is the authentic uh Transpira, uh, transpiration of events. This is the authentic facts, and though that's just propaganda, I mean, given that this is, you know, a post-Trump era, or it will be in a 12 days' time, and we are seeing this uh, thing on social media where people have actually started, you know, sort of sifting falsity from the truth for themselves, could it be that in such an era, the 1857 mutiny can be recontextualized from being a political tool to sort of an event which the nation remembers as a, what do you call it, a tragedy? Or what do you call it, a celebration of uh, independence? What would your own personal opinion be on it? I don't foresee that thing happening in uh, my lifetime, sadly. But saying Mm. that, nobody thought that a black man would become a president of America uh, I mean, I remember uh, <laughs> when uh, Obama became, just five or ten years prior to that, they were saying that in the newspaper, they are 50 years behind. Uh, it will not be before 50 years a black man can even fight the election. So things can things are mm. changing rapidly. I think it's the problem is... <sighs> the emotional investment yeah, yeah, the emotional we investment, have... <laughs> why there is no investment from the government to rewrite the books to evaluate the events in the light that the fact okay just like I said you needed national heroes so you created some heroes although they were not exactly the heroes but that was neither the are so you need to evaluate them mm. now in the present context the government we, the government is is not interested a very small step was taken last year in Leicester when they decided yes. to do a Punjabi conference of academics in a Gurdwara in Leicester okay. in, in England. The idea was that Sangat and academics are brought together about such a topic. And it was because it was hmm. Sunday, it was a Gurdwara, they promoted it well. So there was people from the community who joined that. So, but academics are elite people. I mean, sorry, they, 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 you will, even for me, I mean, I'm, I'm no one for them. Let's put it this way. The reality is, hmm. I am no one for them. I spoke hmm. to an, um, a veteran, uh, acadi- uh, academic. He happened to be uh, my teacher um, while I was studying in, in Amrsa and he said you will have to create your own space everybody has to create your own space nobody is going to give you that space <laughs> despite the fact there's no book on Afghan Hinduism and Sikh I have to and he said yes that's struggle because the first, first thing is have I done a PhD from a posh university am I a uh, professor no so Mm-hmm. So nobody's interested. So you see, you have that um, attitude towards uh, yeah, amateur historians, even though the like, ivory tower. Yeah. You have that ivory tower, glass ceiling. You can't. I can't break that. I can't break that. But mm-hmm. but 
Okay, saying that, some research will always lead to some good things. Because I have written this book, two or three Afghan Hindu Sikhs are now writing a book on their history. And it will it will have, obviously, have, will have more detail about the last hundred years. Because things which they have experienced mm. themselves will be there. So things, so, mm, yeah, so things will opening new ground. Sorry. Hmm. And I guess another thing is that given 1857, if Sikhs were to sit down and research the elements here, that, you know, on one hand, we have Sikhs saying a majority that the Anglo-Sikh wars, Borbias fought in there, they defeated us. Let's be honest, they defeated us through treachery, but nonetheless, they were the sword arm of the empire at the time. We are not going to support them. We don't like their plan of uh, bringing back the Mughals. It will all be fractured. The British are a reality. We saw how they defeated us. No one can defeat them because, let's face it, the British were masters at what they were doing. They would play psychological games, social games, and well, and military games. They were undefeated at the time. But then we also have Sikhs saying that, you know, we are going to join the mutineers and see what we can get out of it. So could it be that in the future we will have a Sikh-centric study based on these mutineers, who they were, who they weren't? Because given the political trends today, most Sikhs view this event with a lot of animosity, that it isn't our battle. You guys deserved getting thrashed by the British. We are pretty proud that we helped them. <laughs> that is that that is a view of part of uh, Sikhs, but the, I do know a certain uh, section of the Sikhs in in Punjab um, who have an opposite view. I mean, you have really rekindled my interest because I have written those articles. <laughs> I have a. I have written those articles good three four three years ago. So uh, yes. and uh, in in fact, I wrote two articles on eighteen fifty seven and another article on. I I basically said heroes or martyrs, not martyrs. I said I think the warriors of uh, Anglo Sikh wars. So and I wrote over there that hmm. if if fighting for your kingdom against the British gives you a badge of a patriot. Then Sheikh Singhatari Wala, Diwan Malmuraj, uh, the other Sardars, even Hari Singh Nalwa's own son, second son fought against the, uh, in the Second Anglo Sikh War from the Sikh side. But they are all mm-hmm. then uh, freedom fighters. And you wouldn't believe the number of uh, mm-hmm. Hindu friends said, yes, they are. The reality is they're not freedom fighters. They were mm-hmm. fighting for the state. But that's, it's like, I'm hoping. I'm what, what? What I'm hoping is, in in um, in coming weeks or coming months, I will put my articles into a journal format, so that it is. Mm-hmm. So my idea is, I uh, what I want is non-sick audience. I try to write for non-sick audience, non-sick to know mm. what our contribution. Non-sick to need to know. I mean, when I wrote the Afghan Hindu Sikh books, they said, well, do you think they will read it? I said, no, this, not, this is not for Afghan Hindu and Sikh. It's for the other people to know who they were. So, so, mm-hmm. so same, I think, uh, thing will happen, but um, let's see. Let's see. Let's be optimistic about mm-hmm. the future. 
Mm-hmm. Now, how do other communities see 1857? I mean, you have Sikhs, we have these two views down here that, you know, we thrashed them, we did good. Then obviously there's the opposite view that, well, wait a second, some of us joined them and they got thrashed by their own people. How's that good? So how would other communities see it? I mean, we had Marathas, a few rebelled, but the others, you know, joined in and suppressing them oh, or subduing them. We had... They don't, uh, I mean, the oh, Maratha yes. community, Rajpak community are totally silent on it. No discussion. You, I haven't seen any discussion on Maratha pages or Rajput's pages at why a Peshwa Nana Sahib was fighting against the British. Why didn't mm-hmm. Holkar, Bhansale, Gaikwad, the other Maratha didn't join him. No discussion about it. When the Another interesting aspect in 1805, when uh, the Marathas or the Pesh, uh, I would say, Sindhya, the Sindhya ruler, uh, yes. lost Delhi. Two Sikh Sardars were with him, so they 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 were fighting from the Maratha side, fighting the British. Mm-hmm. And when British won the Delhi, the Rajput states of Rajasthan simply signed. A treaty with the subordinate treaty with the British Houston Company without fighting with them. The Rajputs were the most smartest community. Mm-hmm. They even evaluated mm-hmm. when to fight and whom to fight. So, but in in mm-hmm. when we are trying to portray us as a freedom fighter, they're totally quiet on this thing. There is no discussion in, uh, mm-hmm. in those circles. Uh, out why we didn't supported them. Similarly, most most of the country, except for the central uh, Uttar Pradesh and the neighboring space uh, states, a little bit of neighboring states bordering them, rest of the country was totally undeterred. I mean, they were not bo- people were not bothered, and that you need to ask the question: Why were they not bothered? And the reason would be, which which People will not like it because the British East India Company was not a bad ruler. And people were so divided ah, okay. people were so, so divided that suddenly they saw at an opportunity that they were treated with some uh, equity, equality, with some equality. So those are the things we haven't really mm-hmm. supplied the services. That why all these princely states, they, I mean, bowed, or this is probably the wrong word, they collaborated with the British East India Company because they treated them well. Mm-hmm. They treated them well. And British, mm-hmm. perhaps due to royalty, they used to treat them well. Yes, if they were, if they were rebels, then things were different. But usually they would treat them with all the respect and everything. So those things we haven't really scratched, isn't it? Hmm. Right now, it's it's the propaganda or the narrative that, oh, we British were doing that. British were very harsh on us. They were discriminating us. They were persecuting us. Well, well what were the mm-hmm. Mughals doing before that? What were the native rulers doing before that? Mm-hmm. We need to evaluate, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, interesting you mentioned that because you look at uh you look at the American Revolution down there, 
there doesn't seem to be much venom in the you know American narrative about the revolution against the British as much there is in Indian circles against the British in historic circles. I mean, a common American you know relation of what happened would you know mention that there was a excise duty tax. Uh, yes, there was a economic strangulation of the colonies. They got together and decided to fight it out. Injustices were committed. This is what happened. That's what happened. And you know, at the end, America achieved its independence. And now it needs to look forward to progress, you know, into the future. Except in, you know, Indian accounts of the event, what we have for any event really is that, you know, this is what happened. You have a long list of injustices and then it really sort of ends on a note of, you know, we still need to uh, avenge ourselves by, uh, you know, pointing out the injustices committed to us and sort of, you know, visit repercussions against the foe. You never have that uh, progressive thought which would allow future generations to sit down and reevaluate these events in light of what is available today rather than what yes. was available back I then. I think it's, it is the far-sightedness of the leaders to to look at the socio-economical re- reasons of any event and going deep into it and also the far-sightedness or the mature leadership of those countries. I mean, if you read the history of Europe, which I'm more familiar with, hmm. I mean, British, Britain and France were not at war for no reason. I mean, and there's a, there's a joke, there's a hundred years war between the two nations, which lasted about 130 mm-hmm. years. It was not 100 years, 130 years. I think even they forgot after some time what they were fighting for. So they did all those reasons. They learned out of it. Yes. And they moved. So these, mm. like for example, you can't, if the Muslims rulers persecuted Hindus or Sikhs 300 years ago, how is the Muslim in 2021, responsible for that. You need to, and I think mm-hmm. that is very much clear to the Western world. But then you need to see that they are much more educated. And from education, education means it should open your mind to new thought process, to new mm-hmm. possibilities, to to different interpretations, but because we as a nation, we are still, it's true for six, it's true for uh, India as well, that they, education is a means to get a job to, for a living. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, only a job it's a, pretty much. It's a job to be done. So it has nothing to do with uh, opening your mind to other possibilities now. Hmm. Which is quite unfortunate because when it comes to history, I mean, it's relatively dismissed as being some sort of academic pursuit, but propaganda is effectively spread. And there is no one sitting there who will be, as I guess in your words, able to open their mind and impartially evaluate, well, hang on, this is what happened. What lessons can we take from it? Or did this really happen or did that not happen? So another question would be, did the Borbias ever approach the Sikhs? Do we have any uh, evidence of their communication with the Sikhs saying, look, uh, 
We are going to mutiny. We are going to fight against the British. Can you please join us? Do we have any evidence of that? Or was there ever any correspondence or communication in the first place? No, I don't think they ever contacted Sikhs. This was the point raised by Dr. Gandhi Singh. In 1957, when India was commemorating, as I said earlier, commemorating 100 years of the, uh, the revolt, there was a conference in Delhi, and each one of the participants, the speakers, were blaming Sikhs. And then Dr. Gunda Singh said, I'm resigning now. And then in the next few m- months, every week, an article would come on uh, in, uh, in Punjabi newspaper or a t- in a tribune, I think, uh, basically giving the reasons why Sikh didn't join. And there was no, there was no communication as such. Let's put it this way. It's a very small region, small space where the revolt started. The rest of India was not affected by it. The central provinces. So it was essentially a localized conflict. Let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. And could it be that a majority of uh, the leadership we have had is yeah. from that particular location? That's why this one particular event has been uh, celebrated so much? Yes, it, it, it is celebrated because these people have become the icon of the community. So because in a nation, people ask me what's the difference between India and England, how things are. I said, well, in England, if you see till the Second World War, they were practically rooting, ruling or at one time, they were ruling half of the world. But nothing but the modern heroes of England are the scientists, are the people who made a difference, hmm. or social activists who made a difference to people's life. So even now they're looking at uh, female poetists, female writers who were like revolutionary in hmm. a way in their generation. They don't talk about the conquest in Africa or India or Asia, but we are still stuck over there. So there's a it's a mindset thing, and uh, and it's and people are embroidered in that particular narrative that these were the freedom fighters, these are our heroes. No, the heroes. Even if it has to be heroes, the heroes has to be the youngsters who fought for their independence without any of their own personal agenda, gave up their life. Uh, or, and the worst thing is, Amarji, the thing is that that we don't know the full names. We don't have the whole list after seventy three, seventy four years. But who people? Which people? How many? Mm-hmm. What was the name and what was the background of these people who were basically uh, hanged? I mean, there was a let's not let's not talk about Sikhs because we both are Sikhs and so people might think it's a bias. Kakori Khand, Kakori Khand is a Kakori conspiracy. Yep. Is there were four young men, were three Hindus, one Muslim, and accidentally. When chased by a British, they were killed. They they they, they killed the British officer. Hmm. So four or five of them were hmm. given death sentence for one murder for waging the war against the king, as hmm. was the allegation. 
at that point. So uh, you have to. So those youngsters, they didn't. Ha- what they were? Yes, they were trying to uh, start a mutiny. They were trying to get some uh, fireworks from a train and other things. But that was just for me. Those, yes, you can even look into them and say yes. They need our recognition. They need to be remembered. But all these medieval ages people, kings, yeah, that's fine, good for history. But treating them as national heroes when they were, some would say begging, some would say uh, persuading British to reinstall their pension. Yeah, we, we need to uh, we need to scratch the surface. Here. Mm-hmm. So essentially speaking, to sort of finish off, I guess, as a summary, in your opinion, what do you think should the future steps be if the if eighteen fifty seven is to be looked at impartially? If the political uh, not the political, I guess the emotional investment uh, is to be I, taken I out of it. I very much doubt it. People don't read history after leaving the school. The school books are still saying all those things. It will take a generation to have a different view. Yes, people are having views now because everything is readily available on internet. So all books are scanned thanks to mm. all those things. So things can change, but a lot, a lot will. Uh, I mean, if I can give a quick example, the the discord between Dogras and uh, Sikhs yes. is is everybody is well aware of it. But the fact is, the the fact is, Gulab Singh Dogra oh, yep. did contacted the British and said to him, said to British, if you give me a state, here are the, here are the secrets. Hey, I will not fight the war against you if in future or here are the secrets and everything. Hmm. And he is a national hero. If I speak of Gulab Singh Dogra now, the people, just because I'm Sikh, they will not, they, they believe that I will not be a uh, Impartial, yeah. So it's so impartial because we yeah. have created a, such a legend out of him, national hero out of it, and same Maharaja Ji Singh. We have created it. Luckily for Maharaja Ji Singh, for us, Maharaja Ji Singh was a just ruler, so he was not an opportunist. But he, we will, one can find faults in him as well. So unless the government starts hmm. rewriting the books. In a way that people, it encourages people to, um, and I'm talking about school history books. Most of us do not study history after leaving the school because it's probably history is one of those subjects which probably will not land up you with a, a decent job. So once they change the narrative, because yeah, it's a, it's a, in, in India, it sadly, because it's a huge population, you have to work really hard to make a living. And you have to be one of the better ones to so it's the demand and supply thing, isn't it? So, so unless they change mm. the books yes. which reflect far sightedness, trying to evaluate okay, what were the social economical reasons, religious reasons over there, how were these people affected, and see them with a neutral eye and presented that. Presented that in the school books, and I think then the narrating, and then you do the same thing, and you can begin mm-hmm. that within the college and university books, but then 
that's how you change the narrative becomes change probably another thing is i remember hmm. if if a political leader start presenting start commemorating the the martyrdom or of these youngsters i'm talking about who were um hanged by the british in the 20th century more than the 1857 after 10 years they will be more heroes 1857 will be less so yeah you have to do things at multiple levels yes i guess the final question would be was there any ideology animating the individuals in 1857 the mutinies or was it just uh, from how like i mean from a historical perspective what would a normal purbia have thought okay. while fighting in 1932 or 3 uh cv vedya he wrote two three volumes on uh the history of hindu india basically uh the history of before the uh, the muslim schemes in india and he he said one thing that yep. why the people of punjab in revolted earlier because they are so ferocious they are martial he wrote all those things and he said one thing and he said it's true for them and most indians as long as their religion is untouched they have enough grain to feed themselves people in india were not bothered and one has to see that that uh, the communication lines were so poor so the history we are talking about amarjit we are talking about is the history of capital cities the history of 1000 year we are talking about 90% of the people lived 99% of the people lived in villages mm-hmm. and there's no history of them so they were not bothered so that's the reason that they didn't revolted and we these people thought that by asking them to uh, pull that cartridge from their mouth which is made of the fat of cow or a pig they are interfering or basically um making them a non muslim or a non hindu that was the trigger that was the philosophy that they are not if it was not the it was not those cartridges purbias probably wouldn't have really revolted and if they hadn't revolted in fact they pushed nana saab and the lakshmi bai rani lakshmi bai to join them so things would have been really different and also the lord the lawsy mm-hmm. hadn't gone with his doctrine of laps things would have been different there would have there would have been no revolt but things change isn't it british ancient company mm-hmm. british east indian company was yes. taken over by the uh the british government so then queen victoria became the empress of india so till till that point it was a, a trading company was ruling india imagine three about 300000 people ruling a nation of 20 crore so that's that's my so it's mm, it's uh, mind boggling 200 million 300,000 200 so yeah mm. 
So the original well, corporate rate is we, really we were so divided. They didn't have to do much to further divide us, isn't it? So that we we were hopelessly divided. Mm, they just they in just a way, augmented in a existing way, differences. The British, the struggle, the freedom struggle against the Britain helped India to unite in some ways. They they were able to find some commonalities. If you mm. read, uh, if you look at the world history in uh, Sri Lanka, Burma, and in lot of uh, African nations, way there, they didn't have any freedom struggle. They didn't. They simply negotiated the freedom after Second World War because Britain didn't wanted to spend too much time and money on them. They found it really hard to work unitedly as a nation. It took them. There were a number of civil wars that took them 30 mm. years to learn that we need to now uh, work together. So good things come out of it. There, there are always some outcomes which are more favorable or positive outcomes. So that was one of the positive outcomes of uh, the British rule. Mm-hmm. Okay, then thank, thank you very much thank for joining us. An opportunity. Most mm. people speak to me on Afghan Hindu. We six, hope. But yeah. uh, you decided to speak on a topic which I've written a few years ago. And hopefully, I will try to do something in form of a yep. journal article so that it is uh, more readily available to readers here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yes, and hopefully this inspires someone listening out there that to research yeah, the that, that Sikh soldiers who actually took we, part in that mutiny. And we, we need to do something about it. They, I, I, can, I can find some names. I can find some names. But it, it, to be fair, it's not very mm-hmm. difficult. Four generations ago, five generations ago, what was the name of those people? People should be able to know. But one has to be from a, a prosperous family. Uh, uh, and to know those commoners living in villages probably mm. would not know, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, unfortunately. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Vaheguru Ji Ka Khalsa. Vaheguru.